Welcome to another edition of From Under the Rubble. Uh, I'm Thomas Fleming, and with me again, and I hope again and again and again, is uh, Rock and Roll Rex, also yes. known as Radical Rex. There you go. That's uh, I like that. My co-host, uh, a man of many talents, hmm. not all of them visible. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> And uh, this is our second attempt at having a constructive conversation, mm. and uh, I, again, I hope it's the first of many more. Welcome again, Rex. Well, thank you very much. This is a very interesting topic that we've decided to talk about. Um, it, it's all over the news, and you hear a lot about it, and um, and yet it's it's. I had a hard time understanding. Uh, we hear a lot about fascism, anti-fascism, and, and and the like, and the the people are out on the streets. They're rioting. They're they're crazy. They're determined to get their point across. They're springing each other with pepper spray. Um, first of all, what, who are these people and what is it that they want? Yeah, well, they mainly, the, a lot of the so-called anti-fascist demonstrators, I think what they actually uh, want is to get their name in the newspaper mm. and to raise money for their organizations and basically to delegitimate the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. That's mainly what it is. That they say Donald Trump is a fascist, which, by the way, is an absurd, an absurd idea. Mm. And, you know, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, the mayor of Chicago, the governor, Godfather Rahm Emanuel uh, <laughs> pronounced the public in public school system of Chicago will be a Trump-free zone. Trump-free zone. Now, presumably, that means he doesn't want any federal aid. You know, Chicago lives off federal. Every aspect of Chicago oh, lives is a parasite on the state of Illinois right. and on the taxpayers of the United States. But oh no, no, no! Let's just spit in the face of the feds who pay for pay for them. Wow. I mean, uh, he's been a, a disaster as a mayor, mm -hmm. but but he thinks he can consolidate. The, basically the, the racial base of the Democratic Party in Cook County, he thinks he can do that by simply rejecting Trump. And so a lot of the demonstrations is just, we, we want what we want and we want it now. What was that? Was that the Jefferson Airplane song? We want the, no, I'm sorry, it's the doors. We want the world and we want it now. Now, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know what kind of rioting is taking place in Chicago or whether these people are uh, liberal or not. I know that some places they've said, okay, uh, these guys are considered street gangs or I even heard one um, uh, on YouTube, uh, somebody said, well, we should just call them terrorists because that's what they're doing. So these people that are anti-fascist, anti-fa, yeah. whatever, um, they, are, they are also being demonized by um, the masses. They're demonizing the government. Yeah, yeah. So everybody's got this thing going well, on. It's, so it's American politics as usual, which is nobody will actually look at the issues they just name call. Mm. It, it, it is in uh, in in uh, in uh, in Los Angeles. The mayor mm -hmm. is calling for to. For treating these uh, antifa groups as uh, street gangs because they engage in violence. Yes, you know they don't. They don't just walk with signs and protest. They beat people up. I mean, this used to be against the law in the United States. Now, if you're the Black Panther Party or you're an antifa group, you can beat people up who are just going about their business, and you you can get away with it because you have a noble cause. And even uh, there's there's state legislators now in California in Sacramento. They they want to put a bill in. In, uh, uh, condemning these groups as uh, as street gangs, the reason the, there's a rational reason to call them terrorists. What is a terrorist? See, this is something people don't understand. They think terrorists are just you know uh, people who throw bombs. 
the use of terror by government, it's usually by government, by the way, mm. governments around the world throughout history, they're, they, they're the ones who use terror more than anybody. Mm. But the use of terror is to try to, to try to force people, terrorize people, to force them to do what you want, to acquiesce in some project you have. So you create a lot of anarchy and violence, you street fear. fighting and fear, and then people will say, well, I'd if we can give them what we want, then we'll be left in peace. And that's certainly, certainly uh, terror. It's, it's a low-scale terrorism because they're mostly not killing anybody. But you go and beat people up and destroy property in order to back them down so that they will no longer protect their property. Right. That's a, that's a low-grade form of terrorism. Well, they are definitely adamant about getting what they want. They they are, are looking at, it's almost like it's a uh, revolution, you know, yeah. and, and rallying people together. Yeah, now, I lived through the 60s. It's like, you know, it's mm. in Yogi Berra's famous phrase, this is deja vu all over again. <laughs> right, so... So if we get down to brass tacks, let's find out what these people are really angry about. They're angry at fascism. Let's. Can you give me something that I can wrap my head around? What's the meaning of fascism? Yeah, fascism. I think. Of course, right now they they, they, they throw these terms around as if as if there's some a fascist is somebody who is a, a racist. He's a bigot. He wants to run your life for you. Hmm. Really, fascism is is an historical development. It took place. Uh, it developed in the years. Following World War One, okay. uh, although the roots of it are in the 19th century, fascism is essentially a it's 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 sort of two things. It's it's a, it's a response to two developments. Development number one was the total failure of liber, liberal democracy in the 19th century. By by the time World War One came around, liberal democracy, based on the idea that it, one man one vote, but that the the government should clear away obstacles so everybody can lead his own life, a to, total failure. It destroyed all the conservative underpinnings of society on the one hand, but it didn't it didn't deliver the bacon to the poor. That sounds like uh, total freedom, though. I don't know yeah. there's anybody to argue that. So you're saying that liberal democracy yeah. is about the one man, one vote, they can do whatever they want, and government tries to stay out of the way. That yes, doesn't right. sound too bad, actually. It doesn't sound too bad, it just doesn't work. Because what first, like they started in the French Revolution by killing the king and the aristocracy. Okay. Then they destroy, the in, in France, the Catholic Church. They were undermining the Church of England in England. Hmm. They, under, they, they, after a while this any privilege that anybody has not based on some rational principle like I made this car therefore I should be able to, to sell it or drive right, it right. anything that was simply an irrational tradition this is the way our family's always done it that all all these differences between man and man and eventually between man and woman or man and beast okay. they all in the liberal tradition all of these get wiped out well it's it's a nice theory it just doesn't happen to work when you destroy when you destroy all the foundations of civilization, mm -hmm. all you have left is greedy, acquisitive individuals. Yes. And in fact, uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the more brilliant American thinkers, George Fitzhugh, in the 1850s, he was defending slavery, but he said, you know, the principle of uh, of equality of of uh, liberty and equality, if you push that very far, what happens is the clever and the strong 
tyrannize and enslave the weak and the virtuous. Hmm. So that you have a society in which ruthless strongmen, you know, big business guys, sure. they, they they own the world, they and they eat Power it up. And, money, yep. and then what the the response of the disenfranchised? See, once upon a time there were poor poor people who worked on farms, but they could control their own destiny. Yeah, you take their farm away, as happened under liberalism. You take their farm away. And, and and you take away all of the the, the, the sort of supports of village and family and mm -hmm. church. All that's left is these people are working in mines for 60, 70 hour weeks okay. and they're getting angry. Yeah. And so before long you've got labor unrest, you've got labor violence, and people are saying, I don't if this is liberal <laughs> democracy, right. it won't feed my children. They're and they're dying of tuberculosis. Oh, they boy. got fed up. So in fact, what you might call the whole sort of libertarian agenda today, okay. right. they tried it. They tried it once, and it was a total failure. So anti-liberalism. Uh, anti-liberalism, number one. Okay. And so number two, the uh, what happened in the, near the end of World War One was, of course, the Russian Revolution. Okay. And the Russian Revolution, you know, they kill the royal family, they kill the aristocracy, they kill anybody who owns anything, they kill anybody who potentially might stand up to the regime. People were terrified. And so revolutions start of similar street fights, revolutions break out in Hungary, in France, in Germany, in mm -hmm. Italy, in Spain. Everywhere it looks in post uh, at the end after the Versailles Treaty, everywhere in Europe it looked like the Bolsheviks were going to take over. Now this meant, of course, the murder of priests and nuns, as was as happened in uh, in Spain just widely, okay. uh, the the destruction of family life, the, right. the the complete takeover of all functions of human life by the government, but accompanied by mass murder on a scale that the world had never seen, not even in the worst days of Attila the Hun. So the people that were anti-government, anti-monarchy, right. anti they came up and said, we want to take over and we're going to do the best thing for the people, and yet they were, yes. in essence, taking all the property, yes. at least in this particular yes. case, and making everybody miserable, yeah. more miserable than they probably were. You get along with the king, yeah. he, you know, he takes care of you, you have protection, yeah. and so forth and so or You get rid of all that, and then, and then the, ultimate, the ultimate, you know, response to, to liberal democracy, unfortunately, is, is, is socialism, and then the most violent form of socialism, which is a, which is a communism and red revolution. Okay. You know, Milovan Gilas, who was a great uh, Yugoslav uh, communist leader during World War II and afterwards, he then he got a little bitter in old age, and he says, "Communists eliminate all forms of property." except their own. Uh, in other words, the Communist Party owns everything, right. and you have nothing. Well, you know, so people, so the middle classes of Europe were terrified. And but they wanted a break desperately. They, 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 they wanted their property and their businesses protected. They didn't want their, their, their families murdered. Right. And they wanted to preserve, of course, their privileges. And meanwhile, you got a lot of, you got a lot of soldiers in the war, a lot of demobilized soldiers right. who, they, what do we fight for? We were sold out by liberal Democrats. We lost the German, in, in Germany, they, we, they, we lost the war because of this. So you have all these disgruntled elements and like in, uh, in Germany. Coming together for change, yeah. but not really, nobody's really going to be able to define what change no. looks like. So no. in the words of the great poet Johnny Rotten, <laughs> anarchy in the UK, you know. Yes. So yes. that's what you get out of all of that. So we've got, um, so they were kind so of you had a lot of street violence. Okay, violence is a, a, lot is a key issue. You had a lot of street violence in, in uh, say, in Italy and Germany between 
between communist insurrectionists who wanted to overthrow the government, and nobody, the liberal Democrats could not deal with street violence because they're nice, gentlemanly, upper middle class (laughs) people, all college educated, and so... Right-wing thugs—that is, a lot of them, a lot of them, very bitter ex-soldiers in okay. Germany and Italy, in particular—they they took to the streets. And what they needed was an ideology that was not was not liberal dem- democratic, because okay. the liberal regime was a to- very corrupt in Italy, a total okay. failure. What uh, else is it anti? I mean, what else are these people not looking at? Are they are they pro-communism? Are they no? They're, pro- they're conser- very anti-communist. Okay, anti-communist. They don't. They think uh, the, the conservatism has never been much of an ideology, and it didn't. And it didn't okay. have much. What you had in Italy were were, were Catholic monarchists. Okay. But the but the people who were joining the fascist party didn't much like them either because typically fascism is a modernist movement. You know, there was a crazy guy named Marinetti. He founded a a, 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 a a cultural movement called Futurism. And so, you know, avant-garde automobiles, um, you know, everything was the, the worship of the motor and okay. electricity. So the fascists were very modernist. And so they, 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 they although they, they revered Italian historical traditions, especially going back to the Roman Empire, they they, they, they they didn't want to sort of preserve the status quo. They found that child they found that childish and timid and cowardly. So the big problem if the fascists wanted to take power in Italy, the big problem is what do you do with the fact that the mass of Italians who might support them are middle class Catholics who go to mass several times a week. Okay. And the answer to that is, well, we make a deal. And the, the time frame here is like after the 19, First World yeah, War? Yeah, yeah, okay, so early it. 1920s. So Mussolini makes his famous deal. It's one of the most brilliant things he did okay. in his uh, rule in Italy. He makes a deal with the Vatican, and he gives the church back a lot of the control over education, gives mm. the church its property, protects them, and in return, the church will no longer tell people to boycott the Italian government, which it had been doing since the 1860s. Oh. So that's a good deal. Everybody wins on that yeah. deal. So on this basis, so what? So what fascism combines, therefore, uh, it, it's nationalism. They okay. want to they want to advance the interest of the of the Italian people and the Italian nation, which they believe has a glorious destiny. Hurrah! But, we're Italians. Yeah. We're the best. Anti-communism, stop red revolution. That probably explains half of the fascist support. Okay. Uh, in everywhere it was tried, because people were terrified of what was coming. Three. A, uh, they're, they're not religious, but they allowed religion to function and flourish. And so a lot of religious people joined the fascist party. Okay. Uh, and they developed theories, theories which they never implemented. Theories mm-hmm. that, you know, the government, the, the Italian state or the, the nation state is the fulfillment of destiny. Okay. We don't need free enterprise. We don't need capitalism. <laughs> when somebody came to uh, Mussolini and said... Uh, you know, you, oh, you, all these Jewish businessmen are in your party. Isn't this wrong? Don't you want to get rid of them? And, mm-hmm. he's, and he said, are you crazy? You crazy? We're, we've been through war and depression, and the very people who are going to get us out of the depression are, are in fact, Jews and businessmen, and you're, you think I'm going to persecute them? Hmm. So uh, a lot of things that Mussolini put on paper in his theoretical writings and writings by philosophers okay. like Giovanni Gentili, uh, these, these, were, these were never even tried. 
So he um, was using these tactics that supposedly came, what, 18, 1900 years yeah. earlier, or at least some of the premises, um, uh, this romantic symbolism. Everybody get together, let's march in the parades, let's wave, wave our big flags, everybody together, country, you know, God, I suppose, with, you know, people were trying to yeah. mass mobilize everybody to yeah. get everybody on the same page. Hey, this is a really yeah. good idea. And so you have people wear nice, everybody gets nice uniforms. By the way, the Italians love uniforms. The Italians love titles. Right. If you look at the weatherman on Italian television, he looks like the chief admiral in the Swiss Navy. <laughs> he's got epaulets. He's got a very important you know, right. position. He looks, like, he looks like a general. Tell me the weather. And uh, and everybody, you know, for example, in Italy, I'm always dottore or professore. You, everybody uh, gets a title. It's okay. a, you talk to a lawyer, you call him avvocato. Mm. You know, lawyer Smith. You don't just say Mr. Smith. You say lawyer Smith. Okay. So it's a country that has always loved this, so they, 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 this part of it was fine. Fascist theory goes much too far in, in attributing all sig significance to the, to the state, to the country, to the Commonwealth. And the truth is you can't make Italians do anything. And so <laughs> even to this day, you know, they won't pay their taxes unless you put a gun to their head. Right. So uh, the theory was fine. Unfortunately, Franklin Roosevelt and his brain trust, they thought that the reason for Italy's economic miracle was that they were actually implementing fascist theory. So okay. the New Deal is an attempt by Americans to, to, to install fascism here in the United States, hmm. except they went much, much farther. Mussolini would never have done most of, most of what Roosevelt did. You know, you see the, uh, when you, we talk about fascism and fascism, anti and so forth, you, it's almost centered right now uh, because of this violence that uh, is almost in a revolution mindset. Yeah. So that's the problem. Now, let me see if I get this straight. Uh, fascism does not promote violence or anti-fascists don't promote violence yet. Uh, as I understand it, there's a positive view of fascism that violence when it's necessary, and obviously the anti-fascists um, are, are violent. You can yeah. see that in the streets. So I, does, do these guys know where they stand on this or what? Well, in the, first of all, there, all are, there probably aren't 100 fascists in the United States today. Okay. There's no, nobody would walk up to you and say, Rex, uh, I'm a fascist. I'd like you to come to our, our party tonight, and we're all going to march around and goose step and, and oh. salute pictures of Mussolini. There oh. are nobody. There, there, are, there are more Nazis than there are fascists. There are very few Nazis. It's okay. just, uh, even Rush Limbaugh made the point, you know, if you ever had a Nazi demonstration for the whole country, you put all all the Nazis together it would be twelve guys. You know, so there is there is no there no is no real fascist. Yeah, but who are these guys that are showing up to the riots and stuff? Then oh, what are they? Well, they're they're first of all some of them are clearly paid agitators who are paid oh. paid to pretend to be fascist. But oh, mostly you know uh, yeah. So but to go back to, uh, to to fascist violence, the fascists did have a creed of manliness and virility. Okay, and they celebrated the warrior. So war was a cleansing and purifying experience for the human race, and that all liberal politicians do is talk, 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 and they yeah. sell their country out, whereas fascists will fight for their country. And so, uh, and so Mussolini, you know, conquered Ethiopia. Mm. It doesn't sound like much, but it was... It was something, and of course he then invaded Greece, so that was a big mistake because the Greeks for the first time in a thousand years showed that they could fight. It, it, they would only fight in defense of their homes. By the way, the, the Italians don't like, don't really don't like war much, and mm. the only time they fight is when they're invaded. Okay. So, but the second thing is, 
The fascists said, look, the communists are constantly involved in street violence and they're beating everybody up. Okay. If we want to stop communism, we have to embrace the code. We have to go out and be thugs in the street. The okay, way again, we're are. talking 1920, yeah, yeah. post-World War One. Mussolini comes, steps into power, yeah. and he's got this whole idea. Does he actually call it fascism? Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. the real deal. Where does that word come from? It comes from a, a Latin word. The fasces was a bundle. The word means bundle, okay. basically. So it's a bundle of sticks or rods. Okay. I think the implication is these are rods that could be used to beat people, uh, and uh, and then embedded and then embedded in the bundle and sticking its head out is an is a is an axe blade. And what do you want to use the axe for? Well, presumably for execution. Oh. Now it's a symbol of the authority of the Roman state, going back to the Roman Republic, used throughout the okay. Roman Empire. It is, it is a symbol of the authority of the mm -hmm. ruling magistrates, the consuls. Okay. Only, uh, uh, only a very few number of people. They were followed by men called lictors, mm -hmm. and these lictors carried the fasces, which are therefore, you know, it's sort of like carrying the flag of the United okay. States. See, that kind of reminds me of unity. Yeah, we're we're, it is we're more powerful together than if you separated yeah, us and you yeah, broke us yeah. in half. That way, you can't. And that's break. certainly yeah, that's certainly part of the the fascist ideology is that is uh, is this idea of national unity. And of course, the truth is, you know, Metternich once said uh, famously, mm. Italy is only a geographical expression; it's not a nation mm. because they speak different dialects. Of course, that was true in Germany as well. Okay. But they speak they speak all these different dialects. They have different cultures. You know, it's a, you put a Sicilian and a Milanese in the same room together, and they're going to hate each other oh boy. after about 30 seconds. Mussolini had his work cut out for yeah, him. Even here in Rockford, the North Italians and the South Italians still don't get along very oh well. Boy. So in Italy in those days, the Sicilians spoke a language unintelligible to other uh, other uh, Italians. So what Mussolini did is he outlawed the use of of Sicilian. You couldn't use it on the radio. If you were caught, if you were caught speaking Sicilian in school, they would beat you. You know, so there were his. Even though he should have had support in Sicily, because they they they, they liked his defensive tradition and, sure. and all of and the Italian nationhood to some extent, but uh, but a lot of I've I've met elderly Sicilians back about twenty years ago who were still angry with Mussolini for what he did. By the way. Don't think we didn't do that here. Don't think that in the 1930s, yeah. Franklin Roosevelt's government told Louisiana, as long as you allow people to speak Cajun in their schools, that is Cajun French, right. you're not going to get any money. And so I've talked to elderly Cajuns who told me they were, they were beaten in school for speaking French on the play yard. Well, you know, the idea is, is that uh, it's, that's horrible because it's uh, a personal freedom or whatever. But uh, on the other hand, um, uh, not to get off on uh, two, uh, it's really hard to talk to people who don't speak English. And there are dialects of English, even in the area, that <laughs> I can't understand what's going on. You get somebody on the phone, you're trying to figure out how to work, fix your computer. I can't understand what they're saying. You're so talking about Rockford Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever. Yeah, but see, look, in the case of the Cajuns, they, they were there first. Okay. You know, they were there first. The English came in, and then, and they, they coexisted for a long time. And the Cajuns are, 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 you know, what are they famous for? Good food, hey. good uh, drinking wine, yeah. playing music. Right. They were pretty harmless people. They weren't doing anything. They weren't like a revolutionary force. They weren't trying to overthrow the government. So, and similarly, now, this is, Sicily was a, was a, a disturbed place. Uh, what Mussolini also did, by the way, in the interest of national unity, he broke the mafia. 
You know, he mafia, destroyed so the mafia. The gangs. The ga- well, it's an organized criminal syndicate oh, yeah. that, that was that today is much more powerful than it was then. You know who you know who reinstalled the mafia in Sicily? Franklin Roosevelt. It was the government. Really? They, they made a deal with uh, Charlie Luciano, also known as Lucky. Lucky and Lucky Luciano, Luciano told the Sicilians, they, they, had, they drove all over Sicily, saying, Lucky, uh, Charlie Luciano wants you to help the Americans when mm. they invade, and if you don't, He's gonna know about it. <laughs> and so he deal with the devil. Tom Dewey, the 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 uh, the uh, governor of of uh, of uh, the big prosec- big criminal prosecutor. Dewey made the deal initially with uh, with Luciano. After the war, the the mafiosi were uh, came out of exile. They they because Mussolini sure. put them in places you can't leave this town or else right. it will kill your family if you do. I mean, he broke them. Okay. And but but the American government reinstalled the mafia. Thank you very much. As many oh, Americans don't know this. Every Italian knows this, and they will tell you frankly, "Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks a lot for <laughs> what you did for us." Well, the thing. So Mussolini had this idea. Yeah. He gets it rolling. How long? Uh, did this last for him? It lasted very well until he made a terrible mistake, which is that, you know, they had this league of all all the great dictators. So okay. Japan, Italy, and Germany. And Mussolini uh, stuck to the alliance, and when Germany cr- basically created World War II, okay. Italy, Italy was stuck, and the Italians were not prepared to fight a war, and nor, nor were they interested in fighting a foreign war. I have, I have a friend, he's dead now, but he's uh, one of the best novelists of the 20th century, mm-hmm. and uh, he fought on the Russian front for mm. the, you know, r- alongside of the Germans against the Russians. And um, because Italian, you know, decent, decent, loyal, patriotic Italians, they, yeah. they, shot, they, they joined the army and they fought. They didn't want to and they thought it was stupid. So you got a couple of years. He got two years oh, out of no, stealing? No, 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 he got 20 years. 20 years? Oh, so uh, Mussolini was in uh, power? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 18 he, years, wow. He, he was overthrown by the Grand Fascist Council because of the war and the king, uh, the king of Italy who was still had, he had, the king of Italy has the right to, to invite somebody to form a government. Government and so they took. Uh, Did the a, king uh, have ultimate power? Well, he had the, he had power. You know, today the queen has to invite you to form a government. You know, there's still there's this this, this technicality. The, king, the king had more than that. And by the way, this is a good aspect of monarchy because in a crisis, only a, only a monarch can step in.